Welcome to the LGBT Consortium podcast. Consortium supports LGBT plus groups, organisations and projects across the UK so that LGBT communities in need have access to the best support possible. This podcast series will be taking a deeper dive into the issues that matter to the LGBT community and finding out more about our members and the work they do. My name is Camelia. My pronouns are they, them. I'm the Racial Justice Engagement Officer at LGBT Plus Consortium. I'm excited to have two team members from Black Beta Health. We're going to be exploring um, for Mental Health Awareness Week, dates between the 9th and the 15th of May 2022. Um, Themes around loneliness this year. So we're mostly going to be speaking about well-being and wellness and what Black Beetle Health do. So without further ado, if you both want to introduce yourselves. So my name is Harvey Kennedy Pitt and my pronouns are he, him, and I am the CEO and founder director of Black Beetle Health. Um, Hi everyone, I am Tan Payar Ramirez. My pronouns are they and she, and I am a health education and resource development officer Officer for Black Beetle Health. Awesome, thank you. So do you want to tell us more about your organisation? Yeah, so as you mentioned, it's Black Beetle Health, um, sort of formerly Black Beetle Health CIO. So, uh, you know, we are nearly about three years old and it was born out of a desire to um, create a space that was intersectional. Obviously there are LGBTQ plus spaces, there are spaces for racially minoritized groups, but sometimes there's a lack of intersectional conversation around know how that impacts people who maybe straddle more than one of those communities. So what inspired Black Beetle Health to start Harvey? So I was in the first year of my doctorate and obviously having a science background, I'm a scientist and so you know the utilization of things like biomimicry, so biomimicry being copying nature and, and sort of trying to find solutions to human problems um, became the the core of why we chose sort of you know Black Beetle as, as uh, you know as our core uh, sort of central character there you know thinking about some of the characteristics of the beetle itself um you know quite um uh, you know fertile and uh, c- you know communicates using rhythm and vibration and is quite resilient has a you know sort of a hard outer shell and a soft you know uh, you know inside all these characteristics that pointed back to some lessons that um, I think we could utilise um, in the way that we rolled out our interventions, um, particularly around, you know, sustainable ways of doing that, um, you know, being resilient, um, working uh, in symbiosis with with uh, with other people in, in the community, you know, and so these are these are actually just nature's principles. And so that's that's where it was born from. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Awesome. Um, tell us a bit about Black Beetle Health, what they've done around supporting positive mental health for black and people of colour. The LGBT plus communities. So I think that the the most important thing is starting the conversation. You know, mm-hmm. that's 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 been the biggest hurdle is getting people to actually start the conversation around yes, LGBTQ plus health, yes, um, the health of uh, mental well being um, uh, of racially minoritized groups. But then, what about the mental well being of the intersectional group? Those who identify mm-hmm. as both LGBTQ plus and people of color. So starting the conversation. I guess um, we also as an organization have created evidence-based resources that are catered specifically to the needs of queer people of color. Um, and we have accompanied that with workshops and seminars. And we also have our own very, like, our very own podcast as well. 
um, and I guess uh, uh, <clears throat> excuse me as a, at an organizational level as well we are um, recently started sitting at the pride and practice uh, board for example so we're having to find spaces where we can um, get the community voices of queer people of color heard where they are needed to hear the most I guess very important in regards to needing to be heard the most. Very important that we amplify their voices because a lot of times um, those from underrepresented groups are oftentimes were overlooked and overseen and that can deter our mental health even more. So thank you for sharing that. So yeah, so the theme for Mental Health Awareness Week in May 2022 is around loneliness. <clears throat> what do you think are some of the things that contribute to loneliness? Um, I guess uh, the first thing is to uh, to think about how like loneliness is a common human experience, but there are some, some groups of people who experience more loneliness than other groups of people. And among those groups of people are the LGBT community as a whole, which are way statistically way more likely to feel lonely. Um, and that has to do with many different factors. For example, be, it's, we're more likely to be disconnected from our families because of rejection. We um, sometimes have uh, difficulties finding other people who are like us, so we can feel the level of social connection that we need to combat loneliness, right? And I guess for uh, people of color who are also part of the LGBT community, um, I guess the intersection of uh, racism and, and queer phobia inhabiting that specific space makes it even harder because um, in many LGBT spaces we don't really feel that uh, welcome or we don't really feel that we belong that much because they're very white-centered mm. um, and not just white-centered but sometimes we also face a lot of discrimination. More, the majority of queer people of color in the UK have faced racism within LGBT spaces over 50%. So um, I guess when we try to find connection in our communities of origin, sometimes, and I don't wanna like um, reinforce a stereotype because there are many lovely supportive uh, communities of people of color who support and families who support the queer um, members, right? But um, in general, we have, um, a lot of queer phobia in some of our communities, which means that we don't really feel a sense of belonging in LGBT spaces. And we don't really feel a full sense of belonging in our communities of people of color as well, sometimes. So I guess living in that intersection leaves queer people of color very vulnerable to experiencing social isolation, which in the end leads to loneliness. Yeah, I think it definitely boils down to belonging. Where do I belong? Everyone else seems to belong. Why don't I belong as well? Uh, and, and the feeling of not belonging into either space A, space B, or maybe sometimes even space C, um, due to maybe the way that I identify, okay, which is not in you know, my control. I'm a racially minoritized person. I'm an LGBTQ plus, but I'm a gay man. Okay. Uh, you know, I, I didn't have any control over identifying in either of those ways, yet they're my reality. And so where do I then belong? 
as I uh, enter into academic spaces, as I enter into community spaces, as I have a background in education or how many people I saw, you know, um, going into, you know, the area of science or public health, you know, where do I belong when I go onto a Zoom call or a, a Teams meeting and I don't see myself on that meeting in any way, shape or form? That can be quite disconcerting and that can have an impact mm -hmm. on somebody's mental health and well-being and not a positive way. And so we think we sort of maybe go back to belonging as maybe a, a, a key theme here when it comes to sort of chosen family, the importance of chosen family, chosen community, uh, and, uh, and certainly trying to maximise the positives of one's identity. That's essential. Mm. Um, to build on that, I guess the pandemic also has um, increased the level of loneliness in the LGBT community as a whole in general. Um, and some some um, community organizations are calling it like uh, the other, the other um, side of the pandemic, like the loneliness that LGBT people um, have experienced that have has increased almost three times in, in a threefold. Um, so I guess uh, we also know that the the pandemic has affected people of color more. We don't really have the statistics like Harvey said before. Um, we don't really have the statistics of the of QT people particularly. But if we follow minority stress theories, etc., we can imagine that the pandemic is making us even more lonely, even lonelier for people, for people of colour. And what yeah. we do know is that the stats that we see now were already there. So actually we yes. don't have the data that is reflected through COVID-19, but we have the data that existed prior to COVID-19 and the, those themes are still the same. And so if we want to know what the impact was um, post-COVID-19, we need to look at the, the existing data. <laughs> That's how we do that. Yeah. Where would you get the existing data from? Where would you get your, your stats from? Where do you normally get it from? Well, they did a systematic review of the literature at the start of COVID, and that was led by Professor Kevin Fenton, Professor Dr. Kevin Fenton, who is London-based. He is the Regional Director of Public Health for London, and he did a 69-page report entitled um, Beyond, um, which is um, understanding the impact of COVID-19 on, um, at the time, we were using BAME communities. Um, and so that was the title of the report, 69 pages of of a systematic review of what we already knew and really talking about what the implications were very briefly on uh, you know, those of us who were experiencing COVID-19 as, uh, as, as racially and sexually minoritized individuals. And so you know, that was very comprehensive, uh, you know, even though it was early on in the pandemic, it was comprehensive. And it yeah. told us a lot of what we already should have known, but maybe didn't realize. Mm. So we've mentioned a lot about the obstacles that have come our way in regards to our mental health and loneliness um what other obstacles have prevented us from taking these steps to avoid having any more experiences of loneliness well i think that there's something that both myself and tan are both quite passionate about which is capacity building and really yeah. understanding how we can build members of the community up so that they can then run independently um, be more confident, be more self-aware, be more emotionally intelligent in their interactions with a diverse range of people who are outside of their communities. And I think that these skills are highly underrated because they are actually the protective factors, not the protected characteristics, the protective factors that enable people to be resilient and to you know, sustain themselves. Yeah. 
uh, and to work symbiotically and all those things that I mentioned are, are at the core of the of the brand of Black Beetle Hell, which is, you know, the ability to keep going, you know, and not be uh, sort of, you know, bogged down in what would otherwise be quite routine, um, uh, um, you know, things in, in a day. You know, the, the, the list of things I've got to do today, I'm really overwhelmed by the list of things I've got to do today. Well, actually, there's a way to tackle every single thing on your list of things you've got to do today if you have capacity to do that thing. Mm-hmm. And so we talk about um, how we can go about preventing these steps. You know, it's really about addressing misinformation, educating our communities, signposting to, to culturally safe services, and then in, ensuring that people feel empowered to make informed decision, you know, decisions around their health. You know, those are sort of the four pillars that we sort of work with within the work that we do is, is, is that misinformation, is the education, it is the signposting, and it is the empowerment. Um, I was thinking while Harvey was um, um, talking about this, that there's, um, I guess, to combat loneliness, um, there's like many ways of combating loneliness, right? So we can think about self-care and well-being and how that can help combat loneliness. We can think about um, community building. um, So finding your own community. And we can think also about signpost, signposting and um, accessing support. But I guess uh, in terms of what things prevent us from um, feeling better about, feeling less lonely, I guess, um, I guess the lack of uh, cutie box specific spaces or the, um, um, not the lack, because there is some, but um, I guess there, is, there isn't enough. But uh, having spaces that are specifically for uh, cutie-pop people is one of the ways in which we can combat loneliness, I think, because of what we were uh, saying earlier about not feeling um, a sense of belonging or feeling lonely, both in LGBT spaces and um, POC center spaces. Having cutie-pop specific spaces, I think is one way in which we can combat loneliness. Um, yeah, and it doesn't have to be like uh, a specific, I mean, that would be the dream, a specific, very big organization, national-wide organization that um, can uh, look after cutie people specifically. Uh, but it can also be uh, spaces within other LGBT community uh, organizations as well. Like I know the LGBT Foundation have a, a BME. Also, well, that's a conversation for a, a different podcast, <laughs> I guess. The language on how we refer to ourselves, but a BME, a BME officer um, program uh, as well, uh, and how they have been able to develop specific uh, spaces where we can um, find community with all the cutie cutie people. I think that's one of the things that we can do to combat. Um, loneliness and it doesn't mean that we only hang out in these spaces it doesn't mean we don't want to see anybody else again (laughs) you know I think that it's um, having a space to just recharge and remember that actually we do exist and we exist in the numbers you know we don't exist in them you know in this little minority that's over in the corner yes we are a a minority within you know within this society but actually there is a long history I'm sure that time can go into this extensively (laughs) a long history of queerness and being POC across 
cultures oh, yeah. globally. So Absolutely. this is not a matter of it just appeared and it's a, you know, it's a little trend. It's not a trend. It's just presenting itself in ways that I guess people haven't taken the time to realise. And so, yeah, I think, you know, the, the QTPOC engagement work that's happening at LGBT Foundation is great. But it does raise the question in PLC, um, in PLC organisations, why is there not similar exactly. LGBTQ plus engagement work happening? Yeah. So we're not there yet. Yeah, I agree. I guess knowledge as well. Sometimes it's it's a very powerful um, tool. So actually seeing, like you said, Harvey, seeing other people that look like me that have similar experiences or not exactly the same because we are a very diverse community as well, mm -hmm. but similar in certain aspects. Mm -hmm. um, and actually knowing that we are out there in the numbers and we've always been there and we are the global majority, mm -hmm. even though why um, supremacy makes us think that we are a minority. We are the global majority people of mm -hmm. color. Mm -hmm. So actually knowing that can also help, I think. Very important. What you guys are saying is very, very important. Do you have any tips then for those that are pe people that don't like to be around other people, for instance, especially when they're feeling lonely or when they're around other people but feel even more just as lonely as those that when they're not around people do you have any tips or any advice or well i think that there's existing work that we know that came out of the new economics foundation which is the five ways to well-being we talk about connecting with other people learning something new being active being mindful or taking notice you know uh, you know and then and then understanding the impact of how that can impact our well-being so you know being with other people learning something new uh, and and being active regularly you know, are, are things that we know, but we don't tend to do or do consistently. So the question is, what's stopping us from doing that consistently? Um, consistently connecting with other people, connect, you know, consistently being physically active. I didn't say powerlifting. I didn't say running a 10K. I said, run, you know, walking to, to the end of the street. For some people, that's the, that's the biggest and greatest yeah. accomplishment of the day. You're able to walk to the end of the street and back just to take a, take a bit of time. And actually you're knocking out a couple of them at the same time because you're actually being mindful and, you, and being physi physically active. And so those simple principles, you know, they're not just tips. No, I'm not saying that, you know, tips are not good enough, but they're, they can be transformational. They can be completely um, game changing for people um, who otherwise had not been tapping into those five ways to well-being. I know I didn't say five, but I can't figure out which five I said I didn't say. But the point is <laughs> that, uh, that, that, you know, when we do tap into those, you know, we have, we have a greater chance of being more resilient. Mm. If, you, if you think about also um, people who are more introverted or who are yeah. more geographically isolated as well, because geographical isolation can lead to social isolation quite easily. Um, um, I guess the pandemic has been very hard on us on many things, but what has done is create more online uh, spaces that people who find it a bit hard to be around people and feel lonely can make use of. So yeah, I think that if, if you're feeling lonely and being around people is hard, um, online there are some uh, forums and uh, resources and spaces that can be helpful as well and there's always um, I guess I, uh, it's important also to like standpoint that if you are feeling very lonely loneliness is uh, related to uh, affective difficulties so depression and anxiety and other types of affective difficulties as well so if you're experiencing that level of loneliness um, also seeking support is important and Black B2 Health has 
uh, resources that can help signpost you to services that are um, a bit more mindful of our backgrounds. Mm. Um, because that's another thing. Sometimes uh, finding a therapist is hard enough, but finding a therapist that's going to be queer affirmative, also hard, and queer affirmative and anti-racist, or having an anti-racist informed approach that is very hard to find. And it's funny that we're actually recording this um, this month because this all this month we've been growing our library, you know, of, uh, across sexual health and well-being, reproductive health and well-being, across chronic conditions management, and also mental well-being. Um, in the sense of signposting to services that people can uh, can engage with, and so we've actually, um, you know, tripled our existing library of of, of health and education, um, health education and promotion resources to ensure that people do have that information in hand, so they can do something with that information. Uh, and and I will just double back again to say that those five ways to wellbeing, the one that was missing wasn't give, and that comes in the form of volunteering. So you might want to, you know, you might not have money to give. But you can do what's called time banking, which is about giving you a time um, or doing a time swap. I'll spend some time with you doing this and you can spend some time with me doing this. So there's different ways to engage and, and it's, it's doing things that you already love to do. Or you might discover something new that you didn't know you'd like to do until you got a chance to do it. And so there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of benefits that, that, that come out of those five ways to well-being and so many variations um, that can come out of those five ways to well-being. There's no one way to do that thing. Uh, and so I want to add that last one in there. So connecting, um, taking notice, learning something new, doing physical activity and giving whether your time or, uh, or your skill or whatever that thing might be. Mm, yeah. Man, Tan, you uh, you mentioned earlier about signposting. That's what Black Beetle Health does um, with, uh, in regards to other organisations. So what can other LGBT plus organisations groups be doing to help promote me better mental health well-being for staff, volunteers and for also service users? That's a good, that's a big question. <laughs> um, because there's so many levels in which an organization can make a change. I think, um, and I, we've been seeing it after um, the BLM movement got more visibilized uh, globally, because it's not like it started when the world decided to look at it, <laughs> um, that many LGBT organizations have started, um, and other organizations in general have started um, creating roles and spaces and programs and et cetera that are trying to cater to people of color. But I guess what it's important uh, is that they build this with the community because many of the services that we end up accessing are never uh, built in a consultancy with the actual people who are going to use them. Um, and there are things that, that our uh, white LGBT siblings don't really experience or don't really know so it's uh, yeah but that said that said uh, I think it's important also to uh, consider that your work shouldn't be tokenistic and if you're gonna do it really do it <laughs> and if you're gonna uh, look towards the uh, QTPOC community for insight also do it in a way that can um um, give them back what they're giving giving to you, basically, because that's another thing that uh, queer people of color experience quite commonly, that we uh, are invited to participate in many things, uh, but we are not uh, either. People of queer people of color are invited in a free capacity, or um, in a way that does, it doesn't have to be financial remuneration, but 
uh, do it in a way that you are sure that the person who's given the time to help you build a QTPOC centered uh, aspect for your organization is getting something back from it as well. And it's a quite common question of, of what people can do. And this is uh, this is the power of the resources that we create, which we're going to be compiling into our LGBTQ plus BPOC um, health and equity and advocacy toolkit, um, which is going to help us to be able to disseminate that toolkit to, you know, as far and wide as is necessary um, so that people can just take up those tools. It includes things like um, our newsletters, the magazine, the podcast, the HEAT programs, so the health equity and advocacy training program, um, which was developed um, last year in, in collaboration with all of the consultants who worked on the project. Um, uh, you know, the, uh, disseminating the inside out report perspectives on LGBT BPOC experiences of health, wellbeing and equality. So we're going to be compiling all of that into one big toolkit, which is looking fantastic already. And we're really looking forward to the launch of that on the 2nd of May, um, after which we're going to be go um, going on a bit of a roadshow to talk about, you know, what is the toolkit, doing some lunchtime bite-sized sessions to allow people to engage and ask questions um, and, and see that signposting. Uh, and of course, I'm finishing that presentation with a little bit of recommended reading. You know, what are the what is the, what are the podcasts I can be listening to? What are the books I can be reading? What are the, you know, um, what are the what are the events I could be and to really just like hand it to people and say, here's your toolkit. So that there's no excuses to why people can't do that. So there's a lot of work over the past three years that has gone into creating this toolkit to ensure that people know how to take action. And so I'd be very surprised to see, uh, you know, how that, you know, takes off across the sector, essentially. Um, and I just want to add a very small thing. That's go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> just a bit more practical, I guess, uh, because um, related to what we've been talking, I guess, uh, this whole podcast episode, but... Uh, organ what other LGBT organizations can do I think it's creating spaces where we can have opportunities for social interaction um, I think that is one direct action that LGBT organizations can do to help prevent high levels of loneliness among QTPOC people but when you do it <laughs> Uh, do it in a way that is accessible and that is intersectional, not just throwing that word around because it gets thrown around everywhere, but mm -hmm. in terms of how, for example, if you want to make your um, spaces accessible, you need to think about uh, accessibility in terms of disability, but also accessibility in, in terms of financial financial access. access, Because poverty in the UK and in the rest of the world is racialized. Uh, so if you're not offering financial support for people to access the spaces where they can have social interactions and combat loneliness, then you are not, you are basically leaving part of our QTPOC community out. Thank you so much. Thank you. Oh, I've learned so much, <laughs> so much to process and digest and to just reflect on the Thank you both for what you've shared and thank you also for what you do with Black Beta Health. Thank you for founding this and creating this beautiful project. This baby, Harvey, you know, Black Beta Health is going from strength to strength and I'm so glad that it's now a registered charity as well. So whoop, whoop, well done to yep. you. And I know it's just going to go onwards and upwards from here. And just once again, thank you so much for the work that you both do. Where can people find you? Like your websites, social media handles, so, so, people, so people, 
Yeah, so people can find us across Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Twitter. So you know, it's filled. You know, if you can't remember which ones to find us on, so Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Twitter. And our website is www.blackbeetlehealth.co.uk. Beetle spelled B-E-E-T-L. Okay, a lot of people make that mistake and sort of say the Beatles. It's not the Beatles. It's actually <laughs> the bug. It's the the black beetle. So that's B L A C K B E T L E dot co dot uk. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the LGBT Consortium podcast. You can find more about what we do from our website, consortium.lgbt, and on social media at LGBT Consortium Everywhere. Thank you.